Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'd love to hear from you on Instagram or by leaving a rating or review. It would also mean the world to me if you subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to support the podcast and continue to discover the Don't Tell Me What to Do vibration, there are three different ways you can keep listening to these podcast episodes that I put out weekly. You can also purchase the subscription version of the podcast, which is new, for exclusive episodes. Or you can purchase my book, which has the exact same name as this podcast. So with so much love and gratitude, see you very, very soon in the next episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am here with uh, Claire. We are very excited to talk all things astrology with you. So we connected via like a podcast uh it sounds weird to say podcast matching site, even though the name is kind of like a dating site, but it's meant to like connect uh, shows with guests and everything. So we're doing two episodes and I'm going to pass it off to her to introduce herself and what she does. And I'm just going to, I don't think I've said this to you before, but I'm obsessed with your branding and your website and everything. And I feel like it's just so like pretty and very much your Taurus rising, but I'll, I'll let you do your, your astro introduction as well. Okay, well, thank you. That's so so kind. And yeah, actually, the one thing I said to the girl who designed it for me was, I, you know, with my Pisces placements that you'll all hear in a second, I'm very all over the place. And I basically said, please just capture my vibe. (laughs) It does feel very much in line with my Taurus rising Pisces moon situation. So I'm Claire Campania, as you mentioned, and I have an Aquarius sun, a Pisces moon, a Taurus rising. I also have, if you can tell by this, a an Aquarius midheaven. And then um, human design side of things, I have, or I am a 5-1 emotional projector for anybody interested in that. Um, and just like a very quick blurb of what I do is I use both astrology and human design to help people through existential crisis type moments. I found both of them through my own quarter life crisis and was really seeking ways to know who I even was as a person. So I find those to be really helpful tools to connect with yourself on a soul level and really find that clarity and and purpose that most of us are seeking. Mm-hmm. Yes, I feel like a lot of people discover astrology through harder moments. Like I just said on uh, Claire's podcast, I found mine through the Saturn square. So if you are in a time of your life that feels almost like sticky and you don't know what to do, like tools like astrology are very helpful. Just help you make sense of it all. 100%. Yeah, I I found mine through my Saturn return. So similar situation. (laughs) Yes. We could do a whole episode on Saturn. I feel like it's a long topic. And um, yeah, so, okay, I want to look because you mentioned, so your midheaven is at seven degrees Aquarius and your Mercury is right on top of it. So it almost gives it like the vibes of a Gemini midheaven in a sense, or like, so before you started your like coaching practice with the astrology and human design connected to it uh what did you do before like did you find that it was a communication type role 
Yeah. So I have a kind of strange background. I have a degree in packaging engineering, uh, which most people don't know what that is, <laughs> but essentially I did something exactly related to it out of college. I was a packaging consultant. So I had an outside sales role, which is totally all about communication, 100%. Um, and it was very much kind of flexing the Aquarius Mercury muscle, if you will, of knowing about a really niche, unique topic at a very deep level. Like <laughs> Who knows about packaging at the engineering level? Like I literally was helping brands and companies to make sure that their bottles were the right material to work compatibly with their products and that it was actually going to work with the three-year shelf life that they're claiming and things like that. So um, I will say something that made me laugh when I found out my information was I was always getting selected at my former company to be the person in the little video or to maybe like get interviewed for a certain thing or whatever it was. And our marketing director used to always joke like, Hey, if you ever don't want to do sales, let me know. And you can come over to this side because you are like meant to communicate with people. And I just remember finding this out and being like, yup. And now like having a podcast and being on podcasts, it feels so, so aligned. Yes. There is another, she is an Aquarius and she has a Virgo rising and moon and uh she's very like into astrology because like Aquarius like rules astrology like that energy so I feel like if you are an Aquarius you're like open to it a little bit and depending on how like a tiny bit like stubborn the Aquarian is it they'll go to the astrology or or not but um she was talking about how like podcasting is the future of um it's just like it's better than social media because it's long form content but it also allows you to like create deeper connections with people as opposed to just something that's like 30 seconds long and disappears into whatever void that is (laughs) Instagram or anything like that um and so even as I like look at your chart so you have like the stellium in the midheaven in Aquarius, but then your moon and your Venus in Pisces are in that 11th house. So like it even adds that another, another layer of like, okay, community and people and connections are like very important. 100%. And my, my Mars is in my third house too. Yes. (laughs) So it's like so much emphasis in all of those things and just connecting with people and I think also just like the signs that are playing a role in this are why, along with many other placements in my chart, are why I really, really focus on connecting with people authentically and like not about small talk. Like we're we're talking about real things <laughs> about your life and who you are and what makes you tick. And I feel like that's written all over my chart. Yes. Okay. And and so I'm just noticing something. So it's like, it's cool, weird. It's cool, weird. So I feel like you're- I don't take weird offensively. I'm an Aquarius stellium. (laughs) Okay. So normally I find that like people, I don't know if this is my Pisces coming out, but like, I feel like you, when there's similarities in the chart, it's like you're like meant to connect with the person or there's something there, like a connection, past life, whatever. So like my rising sign is also 26 degrees 
and I have Mars in the third and I have Chiron in the fourth. And I just, I'm just staring at these and I have Saturn in the 10th. So I just, it's, we obviously have different rising signs. So I've, like it's, but the placements are like in similar like that. So that's Mars in the third, Chiron in the fourth, Saturn in the 10th, and then uh, the 26 degree rising. That's and just, our Pisces moons. And the Pisces moons. Yes. Yeah. Your moon is like at eight degrees, which like directly squares my Gemini sun at eight degrees. And then my Gemini Venus is uh, 23. I'm going into the details right now. And then your Venus is 22. But my Mars in Virgo, is it 23 or 22? I think it's 22. So it's directly opposite your Venus. So that I'm just noticing such like tiny synchronicities, but that's really cool. But yeah, you and I both know that those are not tiny. Like if people yeah. could see my eyeballs right now, they're like so wide. <laughs> So yes, I love that. I feel like there's, there's a story to be told there for sure. And then I want to, cause I can see it. You have Pluto in Scorpio. So you're part of the millennial generation, the connection to Pluto. Uh, what do I say? Like the way Pluto is with the signs connects to the generations that it's just very cool, but you have Pluto, like almost directly opposite your rising. And so I've like, I've just experienced the transit of Pluto and Capricorn directly opposing me just for a small time, but like, it's not easy, but you like live with that. So like how many different transformations have you gone through in your life? <laughs> oh, it feels like so many. And it's also trying my Venus too. Um, and so I feel like honestly, just being that it's in my relationship house and it's trying my Venus yeah, it's, it's very apparent to me, the role that it plays in my life in relationships. And I think, you know, it's easy for us to jump to maybe how like Pluto being all about control and not just transformation, but also like power struggles and things like that. I think it's easy for my brain to go to those things in relationships um, and how maybe that was imposed upon me in relationships growing up. And I think the fact that it's trying to my Venus, which is in the 11th house of like friendships and whatnot, I was very much able to see how it played a role in a lot of my friendships growing up when I was reading my chart and kind of learning about this stuff. Um, that said, I think an important other side of that is recognizing how I impose those power struggles and those controlling tendencies and things like that in relationships as well and just can kind of recognize that nature within me and know that I do have a tendency to like really want to be the one at the top of the power dynamic in one-on-one -on -one relationships and perhaps it is a result of the fact that I was taken advantage of a lot of the time with my Pisces Venus <laughs> training to this early on in life and like people were imposing that control upon me and now I've kind of flipped the tables. But to me, there's always that like balance point of how can I not go too far in either one of those directions and just kind of recognize this energy within me to do either. Yeah. If that answered the question. Yes. And then how has, cause I have on my list, like the talking about the nodes, but you've actually experienced the nodes like going through your first and seventh which are like 
important like the first house is you so like um yeah I guess if you want to share sort of either if did you know like before the nodes shifted that the nodes were going to shift into your first and seventh house okay um has it like played out in a way that you thought was going to happen or you're just like ready for whatever it kind of brought your way yeah so I feel like the second it happened, truly not exaggerating, I could feel the shift. It was such a drastic shift to me because it's also, you know, this has also been, this nodal movement in Taurus and Scorpio has also been square to all of my Aquarius placements going on. So like, which also, by the way, is like during my Saturn return that this nodal situation has been going on. So it was very noticeable from several different angles for me. And I can say, I knew that huge shifts were going to happen. I could feel that they were going to happen. And I wasn't sure in what way they were going to play out. Um, that said, I I had a way that I wanted them to play out. And I feel like for the most part, they kind of have. Like I left my corporate job after the set in May of last year, April, May of 2022. Um, I was already kind of feeling the inklings of that rising up. I, I mean, I had wanted to leave that job for a while now, but I, I had no definitive plan to do so yet at that time. And I really was kind of dumbfounded by how smacked in the face I felt <laughs> by that set of eclipses last spring. And truly one of the lowest, most confusing, not even confusing, but just like so much inner turmoil of just like knowing that I, I was the only one in control of this like giant shift that needed to take place in my life. And I was the only one stopping it from happening. And I was the one responsible for my unhappiness. And it was just kind of one of those moments where I kind of had to just sit with it for about a month, you know, in that like shadow period, that whole time. And and when I came out of it, by the time it was June, I was so clear that I had to leave now, not wait, that I had the conversation with my husband. I had the conversation with my coach. I was like, I don't have a plan B. I just got to get out. And, you know, the second I kind of voiced it into the world, I had these like opportunities kind of fall into my lap, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, that was the biggest shift that I've seen come out of it. So talk about absolutely showing up in a completely different way in the world, your rising sign. Um, I just like completely reinvented who I am and and what I'm doing with my life during these eclipses. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you said April, May, which if anyone didn't know that that's when the eclipses were happening. So for tour season and then November for Scorpio season. So even reflecting on um what was going on in your life, like pausing the episode and be like, hmm, what was happening? Or maybe something immediately jumped out at you, but the eclipses can be very like powerful, um, like moments. And I feel like with it being Taurus Scorpio, even more powerful and intense than maybe it normally would be. Um, so with the, with the, uh, nodes shifting into Aries Libra, do you want to share, I am just like, as like astrologer to someone else who's into astrology, like, what do you think that will kind of look like collectively? And then even do you could share 
like with your chart because it will go into your 12th house but <laughs> I know I'm a little nervous I'm not gonna lie <gasps> but I would say like on a collective level I mean I feel like you and I were talking on my podcast a minute ago about just how all of these polar signs are on an axis and there's there's really you shouldn't be isolating them when we're looking at an axis we're looking at both ends of that axis and I always like the analogy of thinking of it as two sides of the same coin like they both have the same middle point <laughs> and recognizing that they're just kind of extremes at opposite ends of that spectrum from one another. So when you talk about the Aries Libra axis, a lot of it is about the self versus the other is kind of how I view it. It's like taking initiative for your own life, living life on your own terms, really being innovative and jumping headfirst into things like no second guessing on them. If you want to do it, you do it. That's kind of the Aries side. And the Libra side is much more like very much considering the other's perspective and almost over considering in a lot of ways um, what others are thinking or feeling or wanting out of a situation. So as you mentioned, like Aries is my 12th house. Libra is my sixth house. I have Jupiter in Libra in my birth chart and I have no planets in Aries and I'm definitely intrigued to see what comes up. I feel like the past probably four years have really been leading up to, I've been doing already like a lot of inner exploration and things like that, but I feel like it's really going to culminate for me with this 12th house concentration going on um, and kind of deepening into that. And I'm I'm thinking just based on how the moon feels when it's in Aries, that there's going to be a lot of solitude for me. There's going to probably be a lot of space that I need to kind of process some things that maybe are still lingering. I think the 12th house is often like those things that we push to the side, sweep under the rug. They say like, you know, the house of undoing, it's what, it's the stuff that we don't like to think about, but it's still there. <laughs> and so I, I wouldn't be surprised if some stuff surfaces that you know, I maybe am aware of or, or possibly I'm not aware of that's actually playing a large role in my life and, and having to come to terms with it in a bigger way than I ever have. And I think a huge theme, and I'm actually really looking forward to this aspect, is my, um, my lack of routine. And <laughs> I am like really not oriented in that way at all. Like, I'm like, give me the flow. If you tell me I have to do something every day, I'm just not going to do it. So I'm really hoping that that's one of the outcomes of this and I'm going to kind of like put my energy towards making that happen during this nodal transit, being that the sixth house kind of deals with, okay, how do I keep my daily maintenance in to, to keep me progressing towards where I want to go? And that, you know, goes along with all of the, the things that we do on a daily basis, um, including our health. And I'm kind of just now starting to think about how do I want to improve my health more? So I feel like that's going to be some themes that come up for me. Yes. Something I will say as like my highest modality is mutable. So I'm all about changing things up. I am not a big fan of like the doing something every day, but what I, how I look at it at is like, um, I, like I got really into tapping like the EFT. And so I tapped every single day for 80 days in a row, which like, I couldn't believe I did that, but then I, then I stopped. So I like to look at it as like phases. So it's like, okay, let me do this every day until it doesn't feel good. And then you give yourself permission to change to a new 
topic of fascination, like wherever that Pisces energy wants to flow to, like, um, yeah, that's what I've, that's what I've found. It's like, I'll get really like almost obsessed with something. And then I'm like, okay, it served its purpose. The energy has shifted and now we move on to something else. But, um, I love that because I, I have the, I think the least amount of fixed, so like fixed energy. So I have the, the issue with the sticking with things, but it's like that mutable permission slip of just like, you can change it when it needs to change or not even fully change it, but like edit it or like pivot it a little bit because like, I don't know, I could never do the same thing like over and over and over again. I would go just like off the rails. Yeah, I I agree. I actually have a ton of fixed energy in my chart, as you can see. Yeah. And it's the actually starting something that's the struggle for me, like the lack of cardinal maybe (laughs) is playing a role here. Um, So I, I really struggle with like, oh, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And then it gets to the point where it's like, now I'm just overwhelmed. My mutable kicks in and it's like, there's just too much to do. So I'm just not going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Mars in a water sign is not like the most like activating. It's more like, I'm going to flow and just, yeah. (laughs) So for sure. Mars and Cancer is like, to me, how it plays out is definitely more passive role than, than where it could be for sure. <laughs> yes. So the, the season when this episode comes out will be around like as Pisces season is starting. So um, I guess like we talked about the, like I talk about this in other episodes and I talked about this on your podcast, like using it as like a calendar or chart as a calendar so with, I guess we can just maybe talk about how Pisces season is in general and like the themes of it, but then how you think that it might, like what your theme of focus will be for the 30 days. And if you found that for you, like with your 11th house, if every Pisces season you're called to a similar area to look at. Um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just start off by saying like Pisces is our last zodiac sign so it kind of um culminates the whole zodiac year even though it is like march uh but it is like the end of winter moving into spring so the energy is like it's shifting and it can feel like there's hope at the end of it that the weather is getting nicer i don't know it doesn't snow where you are does it not usually if it does it's like once not during pisces season though normally yes so um it's like more more sunlight, more just like energy kind of coming through. But uh, I don't know how you feel about Pisces and endings, but it can also be a great time to just sort of let go and release before starting our new year in a sense with spring with airy season. But I feel very similarly. I I feel like this, we talked about it on on my podcast, like there's this palpable shift (laughs) when it goes from Aquarius to Pisces, at least for, for us with our Pisces moves there is. And I find that it definitely feels like this time of like closure for lack of a better word to your point with endings. Like I do feel like there's new beginnings on the horizon and I kind of want to have I don't want anything weighing me down as I go into that. It's not even so much as like tying up loose ends because Pisces is not necessarily the best at doing that, but 
at releasing things like you're saying and like not holding on to these things that are really just like tying you down and and quite frankly don't really matter <laughs> we've just like put meaning to them um and i feel like having my moon there makes it very I guess just like conducive to doing that. There's a lot of emotional work that goes into just kind of releasing attachment to things. And I do often find though, like kind of on the other end of that, that being that it's my 11th house, I'm often very social during Pisces season. Like I think January, a lot of us are maybe coming out of like hibernation stage, like perhaps overstimulated from the holidays that we just came out of and being with all of our families. And to your point, like it's winter and cold in the Northern hemisphere at least. And so by the time I feel like February rolls around and like Pisces season's here, a lot of us are finally ready to like, okay, like let's, let's hang out with people again. And like, I very much feel that with my 11th house getting highlighted during that time. I, I tend to find that I always have a lot of social obligations going on. Um, and yeah, I, I personally really like that because, uh, having my moon and my Venus in the 11th house, I find that, you know, talking to friends about how I'm feeling can be a really, really helpful way to process my emotions. Yeah. I have Pisces in my ninth house. So I'm normally like, uh, I probably just, I'll study something. I'll enroll in a course and almost, or even do like a ref a reflection lap of like everything I've learned. And yeah, it's very much a like study season for me. So, but yes, the 11th house is, um, I love my 11th house season. It feels really like, light and airy like it's an air sign like for me it's Taurus season but it's honestly like Taurus season is my favorite season of the year I don't know why but then I'm like oh it's my 11th house so like what everything that you're saying it's like it doesn't feel as serious even though it's technically ruled by Aquarius and Aquarians can be very serious about things it's almost like that community connection just hanging out kind of vibe like to know you're not in it alone I don't know if that's a very Aquarius thing to say like <laughs> 100% like I always think of Aquarius as wanting everybody to be their unique selves within the community within the greater collective like how can you use your uniqueness to contribute to society in some way and those two seem things can seem really unrelated when you're like, how can you be literally your unique individual self? And then you think of the other side of that, but also how can you then take that and plug it in, in a supportive way and connect with other people? Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like, yeah, that totally shows up in my 11th house season for sure. And I'm with you. It always just feels, it just feels kind of like the emphasis is more about connecting with people and kind of having, having fun. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then um, do you have anything that you do to like prepare for the astrological new year? I mean, I feel like the classic thing everyone I think has just heard their like most of their lives is like spring cleaning, which I feel like is very connected to that. But is there anything else you do specifically before the spring uh, equinox? It's equinox, right? Sometimes I get confused with it. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's equinox. Um, honestly, I feel like at least being a Taurus rising, given that it's my 12th house, 
Mm -hmm. I tend to kind of hibernate a little bit for it. Like I get a lot of my socializing out during Pisces season. That's kind of a part of my preparation. Like I do all my hangouts, my social networking and whatnot to kind of prepare for then my rising sign season to come at the other side of at the end of Aries season, which I always know is going to be another big season of connecting with people and kind of putting myself out there. So there's actually a lot of like, for me, at least there's a lot of internal work that goes on during that period. And I take it as a time, yes, to spring clean for sure, but like kind of to spring clean my mind as well. <laughs> and, and my offerings and kind of how I'm showing up in the world or wanting to show up in the world, almost like a lot of what people do at the traditional like calendar new year, January 1st, like a lot of that type of thinking goes on during that time for me during Aries season of like, okay, like how am I wanting to show up in this next astrological year? What am, what am I wanting to do in the world and how am I wanting to actually embody that? Mm -hmm. Yes. You just said something and I was just like, okay, I feel the exact same way. There's almost, it's like that ebb and flow kind of energy. Cause we can't always be like, go, go, go. But the 11th house season can feel very like fun. And then you almost have to like, rest from that before you can go back out into like, it's an interesting energy I experience where it's like super extroverted and then you go introverted. And then I always feel like house one, two, and three are extroverted, but I start to feel scattered around house three. And I'm like, okay, we need to ground a little bit. And then your energy sort of drops into another hibernation with four uh, but yeah, the way you just said that, I was like, yes, like the clearing, even said clearing out offerings, like connecting it to you, like your business, the 12th house can be, feel very, very reflective. For sure. I like what you just said too. That's very similar to how I feel about it too, with the like one, two, and three, I'm still kind of riding the wave yeah. <laughs> of socializing. And by the time it's like approaching the fourth house, I'm just like, no, I'm done. I got to go back and take a nap again. Yeah. Cause like for anyone listening, like the, the first three houses are more like the personal houses. They connect very deeply to who you are. And then as you kind of branch out to four, five, six, it's more like, okay, connecting to other people. And then the top of the chart can feel very different, but depending on like what your rising sign is, like different times of the year are going to just feel so different. This is where I always relate it back to the the calendar, but it is so helpful to understand how your own energy is going to like flow. Um, but yeah, is there like a, a season that you have that's kind of like your favorite to go through or? That's a good question. I feel like, <laughs> wow, I just, I've said it in my head and then I just laughed because it's my sun moon rising. Like if I, I, I can't pick a number one favorite, like I truly feel like there's positives in several, but I do tend to love Aquarius, Pisces and Taurus. And I didn't put it together until I said it out loud that those are my sun, moon rising, but, but I always tend to really like those signs, maybe because as a person who does tend to feel a little bit more confused or like a chameleon in a lot of ways, which I think many of us who are drawn to astrology do feel like that because we're seeking, you know, some answers about who we are. Um, feeling most like yourself happens during those seasons, at least for me, it does. 
So I tend to really like those because there's less of the like the ego coming into play and more of just like me living and being and being present. Yeah. That's like very nice way to put it. Like the less no ego. Yes. I like that. Okay. So um, do you want to share how everyone can find you and work with you? I'll link everything, but you want to share like what you do everyone will love your website I'll just say that it looks amazing it like inspired me I was like it your Taurus rising I feel like comes out through it because it's very get like it feels very grounding and there's not a lot of like tabs almost like it's like here's how you work with me book the call and I'm like oh my gosh it's so like it's just anyway everyone will like love how it looks at least I mean I hope so I love how it looks but I'll let you share now Thank you. Seriously. My smile is so gigantic right now. Thank you. Um, I, I feel like my Taurus rising likes to trick people with that. Like if, as you're looking at the rest of my chart, you can see there's not a lot of earth going on. So it's like, <laughs> I think people tend to assume that I'm a lot more grounded than I am. Um, or than I feel, I should say like internally, that's not what's going on. So I'm glad that it presents that way at least. But, um, so I, as I mentioned, I work with people through existential crisis primarily, um, but using the modalities of human design and astrology. I mean, I use other techniques as well, but those are the two primary ones, or at least the starting point. Um, so I offer self-discovery intro readings, and those are basically just exactly what it sounds like. It's like, let's figure out who you are at the core level using astrology and human design. So you get Google Docs of both of those. It usually comes out to somewhere around, you know, like 16 to 20 pages worth of content. It's meant to be referenced after the fact. Um, and then we have a 90 minute integration coaching call to actually review it, make sure you understand it and that it feels supportive for you moving forward. You can actually like do something with this information to your point. Like it's helpful to know what a planet means, but let's actually embody it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that is one way to work with me. And then I do the same thing for my private coaching clients, but that is actually just the first step of a four month journey of working together and then being able to kind of use that language and use what we learned from those readings to then help us to figure out, okay, how do we move through this like life crossroads moment that you're going through to understand what do you actually value in life? What in your life is currently in and out of alignment with those values? How can we get you closer to the life you actually want to be living and really just peel away layer by layer all of that conditioning that you've maybe like built up over time, which I think astrology and human design are very helpful tools to help you to do. So those are the two main ways to work with me. You can find those to your point on that like work with me page on my website. There's very straightforward. Um, and I also have a podcast as well, which you mentioned, we just recorded an episode for too. So definitely give that a listen. It's called allow me to clarify. And you can also just find me on Instagram at claire.compania. Okay. Um, I will say when you say extra existential crisis, it's so Aquarius. I love it. It's just a <laughs> I know I was like trying to find a, a less and like what can actually like come up when people are searching this but I'm like that's what it was I literally had everything I wanted in life and that I had worked for in life when I went through my own and I 
was just, I felt so empty. It truly was an existential crisis. Like I was like, why am I alive? There has to be more to life than this. And uh, I just feel like these, this was the path that led me to figuring out that there was. Yes. So I like to end each episode with advice from your sign. So just like last ending words, advice from an Aquarius. Oh man, I think people probably get enough unwarranted advice from Aquarius. (laughs) Let's see. I mean, I think going back to what I said earlier is a good place to land. It's like, how can you really tap into your unique gifts, your unique perspective, the things that really make you different, even if they feel like something that you're maybe ashamed of or hiding right now, know that those are actually probably your most powerful tools to help people and to connect with other people and and to help other people to know that they can do the same with their unique gifts. So really owning those parts of yourself and finding a way and a place and a community to share those aspects of yourself and like feel feel free when you do it and not feel like you're getting judged. Yes. Okay. That's beautiful. So Uh, Thank you so much for being on the podcast and uh, everyone can go check out the links at the bottom and I will see everyone in the next episode. Hello and welcome to Don't Tell Me What to Do, the astrology podcast. I'm Lisa Kiss, your host, and I'm also an astrologer, teacher, and conscious business guide. This podcast is named after one of my favorite sayings and expressions to live your life. We're all here to experience life in our own unique ways. So keep listening to explore different views of living life through astrology, business, and personal development as we go through the zodiac seasons together and with our guests. 